rest of us, we can, uh, if you would, direct your attention to your bulletin. There's, the scripture is on an insert, a little bit of a longer passage this morning, Luke 1 and Luke 23. You can also turn there in the Bible if you prefer. Have you ever seen a powerful person show humility? It's really an amazing thing. Um, the show Undercover Boss would give all kinds of examples of this. So I don't even know if the show is still on anymore. Uh, but but the, the idea behind the show Undercover Boss was that a, a boss or a CEO would go undercover in their own company. And uh, they, they would sort of serve on the front lines or at an entry-level position maybe to get a feel for what it's really like to work at their company and what it's like to, you know, to have the experience as an employee. I remember one episode... Um, it featured a waste management company in Cincinnati. It was a trash collecting company in Cincinnati. And the CEO, there was this very just vivid image of the CEO literally changing out of his suit and putting on these work coveralls and then going out and picking up trash for the day. And, and we love this. Um, powerful people humbling themselves. And I think if we're honest, we all want to be that type of person. None of us aspire to be uh, prideful and to act like we're above uh, other people or certain tasks or jobs. We, we all want to be humble. Um, but, but to see others uh, acting in humility and to admire it is one thing. But to live humbly ourselves is another. It's so difficult. Why? Um, it hurts for the pride inside of us to die. Um, what does it look like for powerful people to show humility? Uh, we'll see in our passages this morning that Jesus modeled this perfectly. Uh, we're in a series right now in the Apostles' Creed. And the Creed has been around for centuries and it unites a lot of different types of Christians together as it serves as a roadmap of the essential beliefs of Christianity in the Bible. Um, the most ink is spilled in the creed on Jesus himself. If you look at it typed out, most of, it, most of what the creed talks about is Jesus. Specifically, um, it talks about who he is and what he came to do. And so uh, we're going to look at that this morning and we're going to talk about what that means for us. Specifically when we confess that we believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary... He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended into hell. To unpack this this morning, uh, we'll look at a few passages from Luke's gospel, which are printed on the insert of your bulletin. Let's give our attention to God's word, beginning with the first passage, Luke chapter 1, and verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. 
And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the, and this, the sixth month with her, who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And in Luke 23, beginning in verse 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar, and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, from Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. When he learned uh, that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and scribes stood by vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. And then chapter 23, beginning in 36. Referring to Jesus, it said, The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged uh, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do uh, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about... The sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. And when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. The word of the Lord. Father, we do thank you for your word. God, thank you that you have spoken to us. Uh, We need you to do that. We ask you to do that just now by your Holy Spirit. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, What we see in these passages and in this section of the creed is called the humiliation of Christ. Uh, Theologians speak of the life of Christ in two major parts. Uh, His birth to his death is considered his humiliation. From his resurrection to his ascension and reign is his exaltation. Uh, We're looking at his humiliation this morning and we'll think about this under three headings. The first, Jesus humbled himself in his birth. 
Secondly, Jesus humbled himself in his suffering. And third, Jesus humbled himself in his death. First, Jesus humbled himself in his birth. Uh, So the creed says that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. In the passage in in Luke 1, it recounts that in detail. It was uh, one of our Advent readings, if you're around during the weeks leading up to Christmas... Uh, But the angel Gabriel visits the Virgin Mary, tells her she's found favor with God, that she'll conceive, have a son, she should name him Jesus, that Jesus would be great, he'd be son of the Most High, he would have the throne of his father David, and he would be king over an eternal kingdom. Amazing news. To which Mary responds, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She gets very practical, asks a a very reasonable logistic question, how's this going to happen? And the angel tells her the Holy Spirit will come upon her and the power of the Most High will overshadow her. And almost as if to encourage her, before she says what we're all thinking, the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And in beautiful faith, she surrenders to this shocking, unexpected change of events for her life and says, behold, I'm a a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the creed highlights two aspects that are unique about Jesus here. First, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was not conceived the way that the rest of humanity was conceived. His birth was miraculous, supernatural. Uh, The power of the Most High overshadowed Mary and she miraculously conceived. And we believe that this really happened. In history, in time and space, Jesus was really conceived by the Holy Spirit. And the creed highlights this conception by the Spirit. But also, secondly, that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was really born of Mary. Born fully human. A real human baby. He slept. He ate. He cried. He grew. He smiled. Just like Ford was up here smiling at us a minute ago. Jesus did those very things. Just like us. And to whom was he born? He was born to Mary. A poor teenager. She had no status, uh, no name, no network. There was no uh, strategic influence that would benefit Jesus being born to her. To her, In the place of birth, a barn uh, where animals live, dirty, outdoors, not the normal place for a birth to occur. The question is why? Why did God choose to do it this way? It didn't have to be like this. Uh, Jesus um, ha- had always been and always will be the king of the universe. Uh, The only one who had a right to a royal, kingly, extravagant arrival on earth. But for some reason, the most powerful one decides to come to us in humility. Uh, Francis Schaeffer is a late pastor and theologian and author who became pretty well known starting in the 1960s to the 80s. A lot of his works uh, and thoughts and philosophies are still very prevalent and influential today. There's a story told about him by a man named Doug who was working at a missions conference in London. Um, Doug was a volunteer at this conference and and he was up late one night uh, working with some of the conference volunteers out sweeping the front steps of where this conference was held. It was like 12.30 in the morning and this man approaches Doug and uh, Doug doesn't know, he doesn't know who it is. This man's wearing very plain clothing, very just a small bag, not a lot of belongings with him, looked like a man off the street. The man comes to him and says, hey, uh, is this a missions conference, Doug? Says, yes, this is a missions conference. And he says, well, I'm here to attend. And Doug said, great, you know, come on in. And so he takes him to this, this room. You know, it's late in the middle of the night. And uh, 
the volunteers that were working this conference, if you volunteered in a mission setting before, this is not that surprising, but they were sleeping on the floor of a giant room. And uh, there was about 50 volunteers sleeping on this room. They had, you know, these meager cots rolled out. And, 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 and this, this guy didn't have anything with him. So Doug says, all right, here, here, you know, here's a little mat. Here's a towel. You can ball up the towel, use it as a pillow. Does that work for you? And this man says, this is great. This is perfect. Thank you. And, uh, and the man mentions he hasn't had anything to eat. It's in the middle of the night. Well, Doug's like, well, let's, let's get some food. So Doug actually picks the lock to the kitchen, gets in there, finds some like leftover cereal, leftover bread from the day before, brings it out to the man, says, hey, is this, is this sufficient? He says, oh, this is perfect. Thank you so much. Really grateful. And they sit and they talk for a few moments. They go to sleep. They wake up the next day and Doug gets in big trouble with the conference organizers uh, because what the conference organizers told him was that this man who he, whom he thought was a man off, coming off the street was Francis Schaefer, the keynote speaker for the missions conference. And uh, obviously they had a proper room prepared for the keynote speaker of this missions conference in London. Obviously they had proper meals and a full agenda set up to give their speaker some honor and, 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 and a proper time at this conference. Uh, but Doug had no idea. And, and, you know, Schaefer could have easily said in that moment, hey, uh, you know, actually, like, I'm here as the speaker. You know, so-and-so called me about this and set this up in advance. There might be, like, a room or something. Or, you know, do you know... So he could have done any of that. But, 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 but what did he do? Slept on the floor. Ate the leftovers. Joyfully. Gratefully. Um, powerful people showing humility is beautiful. And we see that with Jesus... We see that with Jesus. He shows his humility in being born as a human baby in poor conditions to a teenager on the margins of society. And the creed highlights this, that he was conceived by the Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And it's miraculous. Uh, and the authors of Rooted, a book on the Apostles' Creed, Ray Kanata and Josh Rotano, they, they highlight the real miracle behind the miracle. They say the point of this doctrine is not just that God is powerful and he can do something miraculous, the point is that he came to earth in the flesh. This is the real miracle. God came to us. God came to us. God came to you. And John's gospel tells us that he did this because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God came to you in the person of Jesus because he loves you. And the apostle Paul says that he did this while we were still sinners. Uh, when we were still unimpressive. Uh, still running away from God, still stained by sin, not seeking God, no interest in God. That's when God came to us in Jesus and he did so in humility. Jesus humbled himself in his birth and it continues throughout his life of suffering. Second heading, Jesus humbled himself in his suffering. Um, it really hurts to be misunderstood and misrepresented. Um, if you're human, you felt misunderstood. Or you felt misrepresented before. We've all experienced this. Um, whenever this happened to you or whatever the circumstances were, it's likely that you felt two things. One, uh, that you felt hurt for being misunderstood or misrepresented. And maybe that hurt showed itself in anger. It didn't feel fair or right. And then secondly, you felt the immediate need to correct them, right? To show the truth, the reality behind it, to make sure that's made known about you. Um, this happens a lot with kids. Think about m multiple kids. Maybe you have siblings. One sibling 
goes to tell on another sibling. I know that you don't tell on your siblings, but just hypothetically, kids. One sibling goes to tell on another sibling. And, and maybe the report that they give to the parents is not totally accurate. Maybe they're misrepresenting what the other sibling actually did. And, and they go and they tell on their sibling. And before the parents can even respond, the other sibling comes running up and says, Whoa, 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 that's, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. Here's what really happened. And then the parent is left there to sort of, you know, play judge and jury over what has just happened uh, between these two children. But you can all understand the pain and frustration of the child being told on, right? It's a terrible feeling to feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Um, Think about middle school. Think about middle school and rumors that go around in middle school. What a tough time. Um, Someone spreads a rumor about you. Maybe it's partially true. Maybe it's not true at all. And it just catches fire. And it just feels like everyone is talking about you. And it feels like everyone is misunderstanding what happened. And it feels like everyone is misrepresenting you. And what's the first instinct if there's rumors going around about you? You want to make sure people know the truth. Make sure they understand who you really are and what you really did. At least to clarify how things really happened. How does Jesus respond when he's misunderstood and misrepresented? Look at Luke 23 again. Beginning in verse 1. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him, Jesus, before Pilate. And they began to accuse him. Saying, we found this man to be misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar. And saying that he himself is Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. They were urgent, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, uh, from Galilee even to this place. Um, When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him because he'd heard about him. He was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length. But he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other on that very day. For before this they had been at enmity with each other. Then Luke 23, 36, the soldiers also mocked him. Coming up, offering him sour wine, saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him saying, This is the king of the Jews. Uh, Misunderstanding and misrepresentation all over this passage, all over the life of Jesus. They accused him of misleading the nation, of disrupting the loyalty uh, to Rome, which was a misunderstanding of Jesus' mission. Um, They accused him of forbidding them to give tribute to Caesar, which is just simply not true. He told them to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. They're misrepresenting Jesus, saying things that are not true about him. Then he goes before Herod. Herod asks him a bunch of questions. If there was ever a time to clear his name, if he ever had the ear of an important person, this was the time. Clear the air, give the truth, set things right once and for all. And what does Jesus do in verse 9? He made no answer. Jesus responds to being misunderstood and misrepresented by absorbing it. And this is the core of his suffering. Falsely accused. Misrepresented. And he doesn't correct them. He stays silent. Uh, Think about how hard we work to clear our name 
even when we're guilty. Uh, think about getting a speeding ticket. Um, to get a speeding ticket expunged from your record in South Carolina, you've got to pay a couple different fees, which are at least going to be a couple hundred dollars to different legal entities in the county. That's not including any lawyer fees if you're using an attorney to help you in this process of expungement. You have to fill out certain paperwork and you have to, I was just looking this up online by the way, and it's not even clear online exactly how you're supposed to do this. The, the, as detailed instructions as you can find online are actually not that detailed. Uh, but people figure out how to do it. You've got to get the right paperwork. Ultimately you, ultimately you need to get a judge to sign off on it. And after all that, then you can get your speeding ticket expunged. And, lots, and it's fairly common. Lots of people do this, right, to make sure their record is clean. It does, so it doesn't affect insurance, things like that. That's how hard we work to clear our name when we're guilty. And Jesus was not guilty. Yet he did not clear his name when he could. He absorbed it, remained silent. When we confess in the creed that Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate, we are confessing that Jesus knows what it's like to be misunderstood and misrepresented. And this was in fact a defining aspect of his life. As he suffered, he did not defend himself. In humility, he absorbed it. Here's why this matters to us. Scripture says that we will share in the sufferings of Jesus. Um, that to follow Jesus is to take up our cross and to follow him. This means we will be misunderstood and misrepresented. Not if, but when. And it is one of the heartbreaking ways in which sin has messed up our world. And, and the loneliness of being misunderstood and misrepresented and the feeling of that loneliness, we're not actually alone. Because Jesus knows what it's like. In fact, all of Jesus' friends would ultimately betray him and leave him at the time of his death. No one was left. He knows what it's like. The all-powerful in Jesus shows perfect humility by absorbing that suffering in his life. He humbled himself in his birth. He humbled himself in his suffering. And where did that suffering ultimately lead, to, lead him to? Jesus humbled himself in his death. Third heading. Look again at Luke 23, beginning in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. While the sun's, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. All the crowd that assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. In the creed, we confess that Jesus was crucified, dead, and was buried, and he descended into hell. Uh, that he suffered a terrible death on the cross, really died, was really buried. It says he descended into hell. Uh, some translations of the creed say that he descended to the dead. What is that emphasizing? It's emphasizing the fact that Jesus really died. He really experienced death. Uh, the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 50, describes it this way. It says, Christ's humiliation after his death consisted in his being buried and continuing in the state of the dead and under the power of death till the third day, which has been otherwise expressed in these words, he descended into hell. 
when we confess that, we're saying that he really died. And he was really under the power of death for three days. And the question for us is, is why does this matter? What, what does the death of Christ mean for us? And again, the authors of Rooted say the following. They say, if you really let the meaning of scriptures press into you, you'll notice this is not a feel-good story. One of the first things you'll see is that you are worse than you thought you were. Your sin matters. It got Jesus nailed to a tree. Two implications of the death of Jesus for us. The first is this. Our sin really is that serious. Um, If you drive down Parkins Mill or Cleveland Street right now, you'll see the, the speed limit signs and they have the attachment of the electronic sign that's like the instant radar that shows you exactly how fast you're going in comparison to that sign. Which, by the way, as an aside, kids, if you've never done this and you have one of these signs in your neighborhood, you need to try to sprint as fast as you can in front of one of those signs so you can clock uh, how fast you can run and get it documented. Um, But as you're driving by one of these signs with the radar screen below it, have you ever tried to drive exactly the speed limit that's posted? I'm pretty sure it's impossible. Uh, you, if you really try, you can get within like two to three miles per hour of the posted speed limit sign. But it's impossible to get it dead on. And it'll show you that you're missing it. The Bible says that unless we obey God's law perfectly, unless we get it exactly right, I mean dead on, then we deserve death. It says the wages of sin is death. Our sin is that serious. Uh, But the good news of Christianity is that Jesus absorbed that death. He died in our place. That his suffering unto death was for us and was in our place. It was the death we deserved. Our sin is that serious. But this means, secondly, that our sin really has been dealt with. Our sin really has been dealt with. Um, We did a massive closet clean out recently in every closet in our house which I highly recommend. Oh it feels good to give. It really is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, Just go clean your closet and you'll feel that. Um, We had multiple trash bags of old toys and clothes that we hadn't used or worn in years. They were just you know stressing us out and overflowing out of our closets and so we we started cleaning you know we did a we did a like just an intense hour Everyone in the house, let's let's all get after it. And we organized them into three piles. The first one was the sell pile, stuff we could sell. I'm always very optimistic about the sell pile. And Aaron's like, no one's going to buy that. We're not going to sell. So that's a small pile. Uh, There's a throwaway pile. That's a pretty big pile. And then there's a giveaway pile. That was the biggest for us. And so we moved this giveaway pile out to our garage. We had trash bags full so we could take it over to, to Miracle Hill. And we take the first load over and it's great. And we unload them and it just, it just feels amazing. And... Uh, and, but there was a, f- a few more things in the giveaway pile that we weren't able to take. And so there's about three bags and a, f- and a box of stuff in our garage right now that's our giveaway pile that is just lingering. And if I'm honest, it, it felt so good to give away all that stuff, but there's this stuff that's just lingering in my garage that we haven't fully dealt with yet. And it feels like this sort of cloud of the whole experience where um, that whole giveaway project is not going to feel complete until the stuff's completely gone. So when I walk through my garage, it's just kind of staring at me, lingering. Our sin can feel that way. Uh, We feel like we're mostly forgiven. Uh, We feel like we're mostly cleansed. Uh, But there there are a few bags of our sin that um, because of the nature of them and how serious they feel and how significant they are in our story, it feels like they're not completely dealt with. 
And they're just kind of lingering. And they cast a cloud over our disposition. And they cast a cloud over our relationships. They cast a cloud over our confidence before the Lord because we feel like it's just not fully dealt with. The death of Jesus means that none of your sins are still lingering. It means that you have been cleansed completely. It's been removed from you, completely taken on him, hauled away and dealt with. Jesus humbled himself even unto death. I have a friend who celebrated a birthday this past week. He's approaching a significant milestone. Um, he's approaching one of these, these big decade birthdays. It's still a couple of years away, but, but he's getting close. And so uh, when asked how he's thinking about his age and approaching this big milestone, he said that he feels uh, both hopeful about his life right now, but also a longing for heaven. And as I reflected on that, I thought, what a beautiful response. Um, how can we become like that? Where we can be hopeful about this life, enjoy it, be content as earthly pos- as it is to be uh, content in this life, and yet still longing for the next, still longing for heaven. Um, when you give yourself to Jesus, you can live life in this way. Where you're freed up to enjoy the good things in this life for what they are, to be hopeful about what this life might have for you, but also to be freed up from putting all your eggs in that basket. Because this life is never going to measure up if, it's all, if, it, if this life is all that you've got. There's got to be something more. And when you entrust yourself to Jesus, you access that something more. And you can begin to long for the life to come. Uh, the powerful one, Jesus, humbled himself in his birth, in his suffering, in his death. And the question for you is, do you know this Jesus? Not in a sort of a check-the-box sort of way. But is Jesus the center of every single thing you do in life? Um, Is following him your first priority when you wake up in the morning? Um, Does your faith in Jesus shape how you think about your friendships and your relationships, your dating life, your marriage, your parenting, your work, your school, um, how you spend your time, what you do when you're all alone? Um, To have faith in Jesus is to have him at the center of every part of your life. So much so that his grace and his love have become such a part of who you are that it starts transforming you from the inside out to where you can't help but start changing and becoming someone completely different than you used to be. Uh, Do you know Jesus in this kind of way? Uh, The powerful one who showed perfect humility. It's this Jesus who offers himself to you this morning. Won't you reach out and receive him by faith? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the true story of redemption that you have written in this world of our rescue. That while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to come and be the powerful one who puts on and embodies perfect humility in his birth and how he suffered throughout his life being just constantly misunderstood and misrepresented even to the point of being killed on a cross. And dying on our behalf. Thank you for his atoning death. uh, That while our sin is that serious. It really has been dealt with. Would you help us to believe that more deeply this morning. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.